About eight minutes after seven o'clock and ready to roll with the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. In addition to this, we have Wednesday night, the weekend shows, and of course, Employment Hour in 30 on Global TV and CTV. That happens on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Uh, phone lines already open, ready for you. Have employment, severance questions, something about your job, maybe calling for a friend, family member, yourself, doesn't matter. Bring it on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, and one 225 talk that is toll-free for the remainder of the evening as well. We'd love to get your calls in here. If you haven't checked it out yet, we'll get to uh, this in some more detail, talking about the severance pay calculator, a completely free and easy way to check what your severance should be. Gives you a baseline number. There's contact at the bottom of that if you choose to uh, take it a step further and call Lior or a member of his team. Uh, after that, we will get to understanding the duty to accommodate your phone calls and emails in the remainder of this hour. And first, we always like to get to the uh, the week that was stuff that is happening on your end of the business. Lior, what do you got going on, pal? Well, Johnny, uh, you know, it's uh, it's safe to say now, for, uh, as as much as we don't like to, it's the end of summer. Pretty much yeah. summer is done. August uh, is going to be leaving us very shortly. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because now that summer is over, I can actually conclude uh, decisively that this is probably one of the busiest, if not the busiest summer uh, I've ever had in my office. A lot of people uh, have been calling. A lot of people have had the pleasure and the privilege of helping resolve their workplace problems. Uh, you know, Usually we have a big slowdown in, in August, uh, July and August, not this year. But that's great because uh, people now are getting the message. They're getting the word out there that there is things you can do about workplace problems. There's something that you could do if your boss did something to you, if you lost your job, if you're being harassed, discriminated, mistreated in any way. The law is actually quite good, and people are starting to understand and realize that. That makes me very happy. That's why we're here a few times a week uh, talking about these things to, to inform and educate everyone out there about workplace rights. So please don't be bashful. Call us on the show right now if you want to talk about your matter, here to answer those questions. And, of course, if you want to talk privately, call me in the office. We'll give you that information many times. Call me, email me, happy to talk, no bad questions. Now, uh, the week that was, John, as you said, a couple of uh, matters that that just came across my desk over the past few days. Uh, First situation involved a lady who had uh, been hired uh, in a reasonably senior position very recently, and she was, uh, after about a month and a half, uh, right around six weeks, she had gotten into a car accident, unfortunately, and she had to take time off work. Well, she took uh, about three or four weeks off to recover. It was all legitimate. No, her employer didn't question her about it. But when she came back, within 24 hours of her coming back to work, she was let go. Now, her employer said, well, you're within the probationary period, within three months of employment. And because you're within the probationary period, we've decided that you haven't met the criteria of the job, so we're going to let you go. But here's the thing, John. How can the employer assess her suitability for the job when she's essentially been gone at least half of that probationary period? It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you can't assess someone that, that's not there whether they're good for the job. Therefore, what was clear was happening here is that they let her go because she was sick or because she took uh, a, a medical leave because of the uh, car accident. Now, that's wrong and it's illegal. It's a human rights violation. They cannot let her go because she took a disability leave. Doesn't matter if she's on probation. Doesn't matter what they call it. So because of the situation, because they're trying to hide behind 
the probationary period. They've done something illegal. Not only have they violated the human rights code, arguably they're going to have to pay her severance as well, even though she's only worked there for less than three months, all told. So I wanted to, uh, to make sure that our listeners understand that probation doesn't necessarily mean no severance, not at all. And certainly your employer can't come up with an excuse to say probation, we're letting you go because you're on probation, if it's not legitimate. And in this case, John, clearly it wasn't. Uh, and there's going to be some uh, money that's going to have to be paid to her. Yeah, you bet. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale to call in the station uh, tonight. Talk to Lior. Get some questions answered. And again, one 225 talk That number is toll free. What else you got happening? Another example, John, of a constructive dismissal. Uh, I spoke with another lady who had uh, been working at a, at a car dealership for many years and uh, in an admin position. And I've always said before, as much as I like car dealerships and I have friends that work there, I have clients, uh, you know, it, it's really the Wild West when it comes to employment laws. And in this situation, what happened is uh, someone was promoted and essentially ended up taking this lady's role, except nothing changed for her from a, a title or a compensation standpoint. She just now had no work to do. So she'd show up to work. There'd be nothing for her to do. She'd sit at her desk and look at her computer screen. Uh, she talked to a couple of people, but there was literally no work to do. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And this went on for, for a, a while. Now, uh, some people may say, hey, that's, that's great. I, I get to go to work, get paid, and I don't have to do anything. Well, for her, this was embarrassing. She'd been there for a while, and everyone knew that she's just there uh, because, and she is not doing anything. And she wasn't happy about that. Well, and that's when she called me and she said, you know, I've waited for them to do something, to give me work. They're not. What do I do here? Well, what I told her, John, is this is a constructive dismissal. They changed the terms of employment. They're not giving you work. It's the most basic thing. They have to give you work to do. And because of that, she has the option to treat that as a termination and get severance. She's been there for 15 years, John. She's looking potentially at as much as 18 months of pay. So I wanted to remind everyone here, new listeners, old listeners, that a constructive dismissal happens when your job changes. Uh, When your job changes in a significant way, your responsibilities are taken away, uh, your compensation changes, whatever it is, a significant change gives you rights, gives you options. So if you're ever in that situation, get up on the phone, call me. And it's it's an important thing, true? Uh, is it not? Because uh, whatever the change may be, whether it's job relocation, difference in pay, you know, difference of shift from days to nights, if you go ahead and lay down and accept it, well, then that opens up a whole other can of worms, right? Well, you know, acceptance, as the name suggests, it simply means, yeah, I'm cool with it. And if right. you're essentially saying I'm okay with it, it's going to be very difficult later on to say, well, no, I didn't really mean that. So if your job has changed and you accepted it, later on when you realize I shouldn't have done that, it may be too late to do anything about it. So you usually have a very small window to do something about a change, to to do something about a constructive dismissal. Depending on the change, it could be a few days, it could be a few weeks. So bottom line is you cannot sit on your rights. If if something's happened to you, you have to pursue your rights. No one's going to do that for you. So you got to be very diligent. We got wide open lines here. You got a question about your job, employment, something you don't know or you've always wondered about. Ask for a friend. You can do that as well. 416 870 6400. Star 640 on your cell and 1 888 225. Talk that number, of course, is toll free for the remainder of the show. Uh, SeverancePayCalculator.com. This is such an important tool. We like to talk about it. And, uh, you know, I can tell you this much over 550,000 people know exactly what we're about to talk about because they've been through it, right? 
it's it's crazy to to think of those yeah. kinds of numbers. Something that uh, you know started off as an as an idea in my head and, and turned into this this great thing. Well, very proud of it. SeverancePayCalculator.com again. SeverancePayCalculator.com, a tool that allows anyone to find out the exact amount, the right amount of what they wrote if they lost their job. It's not a week per year of service. It's not two weeks per year of service or a month per year. It's different. It's usually much more than that, depending on, on the usual factors that you'll see there. So what do you do? You go to SeverancePayCalculator.com. You answer three simple questions about your age, position, length of employment, and you're done. You find out if you're owed six months, severance, 12 months, 18 months, or anything else. It's free. It's easy to use. It's anonymous completely. So there's no excuse. And if you're just walked out of a meeting with uh, human resources and you're holding that severance letter, pick up your your smartphone, go to severancepaycalculator.com, inform yourself right now about your rights. And of course, if your friend, your neighbor, your family uh, member has uh, lost their job or is concerned about it, tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. Yeah, before they sign anything, go there. And don't be shocked because I know you get some phone calls coming through saying, you know, Lior, I just use your calculator and this thing's way out to lunch. You know, my uh, my severance letter says I got four weeks and your calculator says I get six months. What gives with the algorithm? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you must be uh, – there must be a bug in the system. Well, no, yeah. there's no bug in the system. And the, the exact reason why I created it is because of the fact that there's such a discrepancy between what people are offered and what – they're actually owed. There's so many misconceptions out there. You can read, uh, you know, incorrect information, including from the Ministry of Labor. So it's 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 correct. The the severance pay calculator is correct. It's accurate. Use it. If it tells you you're owed something, you're owed that amount. Uh, and and any questions, if you're not sure still, call me, email me. Happy to chat. Good call. You follow up after you uh, check out that calculator. Get a hold of Lior and the team, one 821 5900 We'll move into a, uh, a phone call as we go on here. Uh, Kazin, how are you? Good evening. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you today? Uh, so what happened is I lost my job a week and a half ago without any notice. I called your office and I was told that um, I need to get an ROE from my employer before they can pursue any matter for me. Now, the did you receive... Is, I spoke to the employer, and yeah. I'm a contract driver, right? A dump truck contract driver. And the employer is ignoring me, and plus they still owe me salary. The last four checks they gave me, they bounced. And I went to work, and the trucks were sold, and no notice at all. And how can I get an ROE from them now to pursue my matter if they're ignoring me. So is there any question about whether or not they let you go or you quit? I know that they let you go, no, but what is there any is chance? they sold the trucks. Okay. They I see. So, giving us notice. And they give, they, they give you anything in writing about you being let go? No. They just say, oh, the trucks sold, and that's it. Okay. And, and find a job. They recommend that we go to somebody else who may hire us, but hmm. I didn't go. Now, when you were working there, were you considered an employee or a contractor? Well, I'm a contract driver. They supply the truck. It's a dumb truck. Right. So I, I was driving for them for 16 months. 16 months, okay. Yeah. And exclusively for them, right? Yes, only for them, yeah. So, so yes, you are owed severance. So, so give us another call. There was probably a misunderstanding because we wouldn't ask for a record of employment in this situation. So, so give us a call after the show, uh, Kazan, and then let's talk about it. What's that? I spoke to Natalie. Okay. 
And this is what she told me, that they, your office cannot pursue anything because I need uh, a re from the employer. No, that, that's absolutely not, not true. We can absolutely pursue it. In fact, in this, this type of situation, you would never get an ROE. So there's probably a miscommunication there between you and Natalie. Uh, no worries. Give us a call. We absolutely can help you with that. Uh, you could easily be owed three months severance, even four months of, uh, of severance here. Uh, and and let, let's not walk away from that. You're owed that kind of money. So let's talk about that off air for sure. We'll help you. Not even a question. I know you got that number, uh, Kazin. I'll give it to, to you as well if you're wondering what it was if you're listening tonight. one 821 5900 You see, it's important that they make those phone calls because this happens all the time. It's not even a contractor. No, he's not a contractor. He's like an, no. an employee. If he's, if he's working there for 16 months straight, guess what? He is an employee. And, and this, by the way, happens often in the trucking industry, many under uh, industries where individuals are misclassified uh, and, and they're not really uh, independent contractors. And what does that mean? That means they could be owed overtime, they could be owed vacation pay, and yes, they would be owed severance as well if they're let go. A very, very common situation. Uh, and just because you've been calling yourself or even believed that you were an independent contractor doesn't make it so. The duty to accommodate, that's where we're going to pick it up after a short break. That and your phone calls, lines wide open, plenty of room for you. Come on in, water's warm. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and one 225 talk Lots more to go. That number, by the way, is toll-free. This is the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour right here. Back at it, 724. You got till around 10 to 8 to uh, make your calls clear through the lines here, get your questions answered. We uh, we ask you to do so, clear some stuff up, if only for interest's sake. Feel free to call us and uh, get them answered. Lior is here to do so every Monday, Wednesday, the weekends, and, of course, the TV show Employment Hour at 30, which happens Saturday and Sunday mornings on Global TV and CTV uh, as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk That number is uh, toll-free. We'll get to uh, to Steve. Hey, Steve, thanks for hanging on. How are you? What's going on with you? I'm good. Uh, not much. I'm actually calling on behalf of my wife. Um, she had a unique situation happen at work today where she was suspended with pay pending an in- investigation into uh, a conduct that she violated apparently last week during a company meeting. And what had happened was uh, they have a group huddle once, the, I think once every couple weeks and talk about how work is going and business is being run and whatnot. And she kind of got into a disagreement with a fellow employee about her procedure, and she had used an expletive in conversation, and they are suspending her because she swore, basically. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, it's not considered what what she did a, a big deal, but it's certainly a workplace issue. It's a you know, it's a workplace offense, if you will, that does you know warrant some form of discipline. Uh, I would say a suspension may be a bit excessive. A warning may be a bit better. But that said. If it's a suspension without pay and if they don't let her go, there's not much really that can be done about it. I mean, I think it would be a good idea for your wife to to kind of give them some context and put that in writing. Here's what actually happened. You know, I did lose my temper, but here's what happened. It's not like I just showed up and started cussing people. Uh, no, well, that's the thing. Like, she was at HR today. This is just very, very new. Okay. And she was suspended today, and they told her they will let her know by Thursday of this week whether they will terminate her for just cause. Well, I'll tell you this, that if this is a one-time, how long has your work, work, uh, wife worked there? Uh, seven years plus. So if this is a one-time,
type of an incident or a one-time incident, there's no cause. And if they try to allege cause, that would that would likely be a wrongful dismissal. It, it, our highest court in the country has decided that one incident of misconduct is almost never cause. So the reality is it's unlikely, extremely unlikely, that they'd be able to properly and legally allege cause. If they do, you have a call me. You have a call me right away uh, okay, because at that point that. it becomes a question of compensation. I don't think that they'll do that. But if, if they do, man, that would be pulling the trigger way, way, way too early, uh, oh. and I'll help her. So hopefully this blows uh, blows over. Uh, oh, I she'll go so. back to work, and, and then you you know you don't need to worry about it. But if they try to uh, you know be smart and clever here and, and let her go, call me. I'll help her. All right, for sure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate that. Uh, that number, by the way, to get a hold of, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 The key part of that, I think you said, was she should get something in writing, a rebuttal, her her opinion, her side of things, right? Yeah, it's it's always helpful if uh, yeah. if you want to make sure that the company has all the information, that they're not ignoring your side of the story. Well, you got to give them your side of the story, right. and you got to do that in writing, because if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. If it's not in writing, later on they can say, well, you never told us that, or we didn't know about that. If it's in writing, they can't do that. So whenever someone's complaining that you did something wrong, maybe it's bad performance, maybe you didn't meet a target, maybe they say you, you like this person, didn't speak properly to someone. Well, then if there is a context to it, if there's an explanation, if there's a reason, Put that in writing. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be aggressive about it. You don't have to, uh, you know, go over the top. But it's okay to say, here's what actually happened so that you have that information. Put that in writing. Email works beautifully. And if you do that, it's going to make it so much more difficult for the company to even try to let you go for cause. It's good advice, and it works every time. That's why you make that phone call. Get your answers right here during this hour, during this show. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. And one triple eight two two five talk That number is toll-free. Duty to accommodate. I mentioned it uh, just coming back into the show. I want to get into that, but I want to keep going for the phone calls. We're not going to forget about that topic because it's important. Uh, David, you're up next, pal. How are you? Very good, sir. Very good. Uh, always enjoy the show. I, I've got a little something that I'd like Lear to clarify, if he could, please. Sure. My wife um, works for a major company. Um, she's got probably another five years to go, and she'll hit 65. She's got a defined benefit pension and, and everything. Um, if she's in good health, she's thinking that maybe she won't leave at 65, that she would keep mm-hmm. working. And from listening to the show, it sounds like that's, that can be done. Um, if she does that, uh, she's been talking to people at work, and apparently there's some uh, rule or understanding there that they expect you to be gone by 70. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's uh, from uh, covered by a government rule or something, or just that they're assuming that or encouraging you that by 70 you should be gone. And uh, she gets these things that say, you know, when you're 65, you're going to get this amount a month and, you know, from your DB pension, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if she works past 65, we're not sure about the DB pension part, whether that would continue to be paid into, uh, whether that's the 70-year-old thing that they're concerned with or whatever. I don't know. But could somebody literally... If as long as they're in good health, keep working for as long as they want, 
uh, even into 100 years old, I'm being <laughs> facetious here, but um, otherwise they have to get severance if they're terminated. So, David, excellent question, and, and the answer here could not be more straightforward. And the answer is she can work and anyone can work as long as they want. And if it's if they're 100 and they can still work, hey, man, more power to, to them, more power to her. Uh, so no one can be made to retire, whether it's at 65 or 70. Uh, we got rid here in Ontario of mandatory retirement uh, many years ago, probably I think about 12 years ago now. Uh, and so that means that uh, an employee now can work as long as he or she decides to work. And even in situations where there's health issues that you know may slow the person down, the company has to accommodate. So there's no such thing as 70 or 65 or 75. And if she wants to work, absolutely she can. Now, in terms of what that means for the pension, I mean, she should speak with HR or the pension administrator uh, and, and need to look at the terms of the actual pension plan. But in terms of the status of her employment, uh, David, she can work as long as she wants, full stop. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. Any more information you need, help at employmenthour.com or uh, directly to Lior and his team, 1-855-821-5900. If you're out there at 100 years old slugging five days a week, I'll have what she's having. Thank you Me very too. much. A little bit of that sauce. Me too. I'll have that as well. <laughs> but, you know, I, I certainly have never seen – uh, anyone work uh, to 100, uh, I don't know if I've seen anyone live to 100, but uh, right. I, I, I certainly have seen people work into their 80s, uh, and, yeah. and they can do that, and absolutely no one can stop the person from doing that. Any attempt to do that would be a, a direct human rights violation. Yeah, I can I can personally count on probably one hand the number of doctors I know that are in their late seventies and eighties that are still practicing three four days a week. It's remarkable, right? They they, they can they love their job they do a good job of yep. it so absolutely they can do that and and uh, more power to them. What is duty to accommodate? What does that mean? Well, duty to accommodate re- refers to the duty of an employer to to help support an employee in certain situations. The most common example of the duty to accommodate is when, with respect to a person's medical or disability uh, situation. So duty to accommodate it is often triggered when an employee has a medical condition that impacts their ability to do their job, and that triggers the employer's obligation to provide help. Maybe it's to provide modified duties or modified hours or give them flexibility in terms of the time they come in or to allow them to work from home. So that assistance is called accommodation. And an employer has a duty to accommodate. They have an obligation to accommodate. Now, it doesn't only apply with respect to medical conditions, although that is probably the most common one. It can apply on a number of reasons. One may be religious reasons. So an employee may need to be at a, at a mosque or a church or a synagogue at a certain point, let's say on a Friday afternoon. So the accommodation that they may need is the ability to leave work early. Uh, and there could be an employee that needs uh, help with respect to their, their child care needs. So because they're in a parent-child relationship, they may need flexibility from the employer in terms of leaving and picking up a child. That is part of the accommodation. So whenever an employer has an obligation to provide support to an employee, we refer to that as a duty to accommodate, and it's what our human rights laws are based on. It's a right. Now, who has that right to be accommodated? Well, everyone has a right to be accommodated, but only with respect to specific things. So if you have a a limitation that has something to do with your race, ethnicity, disability, uh, you know, marital status, then there's a duty to accommodate. 
you don't get a duty to accommodate if, for example, uh, you drive a bad car and you need accommodation to, to allow you to come in late because your car never starts on time. So the duty to accommodate doesn't apply to those situations. But whenever there's a, a right that you have under the Human Rights Code, if you need the accommodation in order to, to pursue that right and enforce that right, that's when the duty to accommodate applies. And I said the most common one is with respect to a disability when an employer has to accommodate and, and support a person that's, that's unwell, that has limitation, that needs uh, help with modified duties. That's a very, very common, the most common duty to accommodate out there. Questions about this topic or uh, any others about your job, your uh, your welfare, stuff like that, your severance, bring them on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and one 225 talk That number is, uh, is toll-free, by the way. Um, is there a situation or when is an employee not entitled to accommodate? I mean, you use the, you know, the bad car examples or anything else? Yo, so really, any time uh, there's a, there's a duty to accommodate, it has to be tied to something in the Human Rights Code. So the Human Rights Code prevents discrimination, mistreatment based on certain grounds. So it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not discrimination to mistreat someone because of their height. Uh, it's not discrimination to uh, uh, discriminate someone because of uh, their preference in, in books. Uh, so <laughs> those don't tri don't trigger the duty to accommodate. The other thing is there's also a limitation to the duty to accommodate. So right. when we talk about who has to accommodate, we have to understand that an employer has to accommodate, but there is a limit to that. In some situations, the employer can say, you know what, it's too difficult. It's too hard. What you're asking me to do, employee, is going to cost me so much money or it's going to be so difficult to do that I don't have to go that far. Now, it's important to understand, John, that even if it's hard, the employer still has to do it. Now, there's a limit. But we call this accommodation to the point of undue hardship. That means that an employer should be accommodating even if it's not easy, uh, even if it costs some money. So an employer can't say, or just, oh, well, you know, this is going to cost us, uh, cost us some money and uh, create some problems, so we're not going to do it. Uh, and an if an employer does that, they don't meet the duty to accommodate, and that becomes a human rights violation. I've spoken with many people over the years where they've had a medical condition, they needed modified duties, and the employer just didn't want to do that and automatically said it's too difficult without actually trying. Well, that's something they can't do. That's a human rights violation. Uh, and if your employer doesn't want to accommodate you, chances are that they're in breach of their obligation. you got to reach out to me then. I want to talk a little more about duty to accommodate. First, I want to bounce over to a uh, to another call. Jeff, hey, thanks for uh, for hanging in. How are you, pal? I'm all right, so. Good, sir. What's going on with you today? So, yeah, I'm, uh, I run a, 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 I guess, a business that uh, is in construction. And uh, my question related to duty to accommodate is um, if I hire an employee and, uh, you know, there's no incident where they're injured or anything like that, and they've always been able to perform their duties, but suddenly uh, they say, oh, I can't climb this ladder and we're, say, a roofing company or something like that. How, uh, like, that basically handicaps me as a business because I can't really... Uh, for my duties uh, to my customers, how how much accommodation do I need to uh, provide for uh, someone who might come up with something like that? Now, Jeff, uh, why would they not be able to climb the ladder? Are they saying there's a medical condition? Uh, yeah, I would say they come up with a, a medical condition of some sort, or they've gotten older, and like I don't like to use the older uh, part because I always find I can keep my older guys busy, and they seem to be one of the hardest working guys, to be honest with you. Right. But uh, it's you know. Someone says, oh, you know what, I just, uh, I'm scared of heights. 
you know, I've suddenly come down with scared. I'm scared of heights, and I can't go well, to the roof. And, number and one. Number one, it would be. It's not enough for them to say I can't do it. I'm scared of heights. I'm not comfortable. They would have to have something from a doctor. So specific. You are absolutely allowed to say, well, if you you saying employee, you can't get uh, up on top of a ladder. You can't climb a ladder. Well, I need something from a doctor. Now, without that, you're you're well within your right to demand they do the job. And if they don't, if they refuse without giving you something from a doctor, you actually may be able to let them go for cause. Now, if they do give you something from a doctor that says. Here's uh, their medical reason they can't uh, climb a ladder, they have a bad knee or whatever it is. Well, at that point, you have to see, can you accommodate them? Is there something else that reasonably you can find for them to do? Uh, or is there a situation where they don't have to climb as high a ladder? Whatever it is, you would have to take a look and, and see if there's a, a possibility to accommodate. If you've taken a look, if you've tried and legitimately there is nothing there that, that you could do for them. You may be able to terminate without having to worry about a human rights violation. Uh, but it's not enough to say, well, your job is to climb a ladder. You're not climbing a ladder, so you're out of here. If there's a medical condition, you have to accommodate. You know, Is it possible to put them on working some sort of a machine? I don't know. Uh, can, right. they can they support someone? Even if it's a different job that pays differently, you may be able to right. say, I have a job for you over there, but it pays less. That's okay. Uh, but you have to try to accommodate. If its accommodation is impossible, that's when you, you can terminate. I see. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, appreciate that call. Any further uh, contact you need, uh, you know the number, one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior and his team. We'll move on to uh, to John in Oakville if I press the right button. There we go. Hey, John, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Good. Great show, guys. Thank thanks, you. Man. Hey, just a quick quick uh, couple questions for you. I work for a uh, large global company that's going through restructuring, and uh, I haven't received a severance yet, but just out of curiosity, I've checked out the uh, calculator pay website, or calculator website, and I work in an office in a finance position, and I'm just curious, I had selected, I was, there's an option for professional or other, and I was just curious which one that would fall under, I'm assuming it's professional. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the finance business, I, w I would probably put you as professional there, and, and that would be the appropriate uh, uh, category for you. Okay. Uh, are you kind of reading the writing on the wall? You think they're going to make some changes? I think it's possible anyways, yeah. Uh, how long have you been there for? Uh, I think I'm in my 16th year now. 16? Okay, wow. And uh, you said you're in finance, and, and how old are you, John? I'm uh, going to be 49, approximately. So you, you you could easily be looking at as much as 18 months of pay uh, here. So, you know, kind of what I would assess you at. So right. keep that in mind if and when things come to, to a head. Remember, when we're talking about severance, it includes all components of your compensation. So it's not just your salary. It's salary. It's benefits. It's right. bonus. It's car allowance. Whatever it is, everything and anything that you would have received if you had stayed on working for the company. Okay. Uh, and, you know, now that you've listened to the show, you know that if, if that does happen, if they do let you go, mm. you're not going to sign off on a severance letter. You're right. going to use the calculator. You're going to give me a call to make sure that you get everything that you wrote. Absolutely. That was the other question I asked the young lady there is uh, regarding the, the benefits such as dental and whatnot. How does that come into play with a severance? Yeah, so, so the idea with severance is to put you in the same position you would have been in had you stayed on. So uh -huh. that means the company has to continue your benefits. 
Now, in some situations, we negotiate an extra dollar amount on account of benefits, but in most cases, the company simply continues you or keeps you on the benefits plan. So if the severance is 18 months, that's what we ultimately negotiate. For 18 months, you'll stay on the benefits uh, because that is obviously part of the deal, part of your compensation. I see. Uh, So that has to be included as part of the severance. Is that right? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Great show, guys. I really uh, enjoyed listening to it. Thanks, John. Uh, John, we appreciate the uh, the comments. And again, if you need to reach out uh, any further, if uh, things do come to a head, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour dot com. We'll get to uh, Osita. Hi there. Good. Do you? Good, sir. What's going on? Okay. What is going on is this. I'm a um, subcontractor. Okay. Working for a, a company called uh, Apple Express for almost going to five years. And um, last Wednesday, I, uh, last Tuesday, I get the notice that um, that I will work in the morning, but in the evening, I'm not going to be able to because I have some uh, privacy and some emergency to, uh, to to take care of. So I get the notice on Tuesday, 24 hours notice. And they, they call me on, on Wednesday not to show up to do the, my morning work. They tell I have to come see supervisor. I said, okay, fine. On Thursday, I went in to go see supervisor. Oh, the supervisor said that he's um, he's going to have a meeting on by 10.30. I said, okay, they asked me to come back on Friday. Then I went in on Friday. They're telling me, oh, no, they're not going to give my work back. That I tell them no on, on Wednesday. So in kind of, they dismiss me like like that. So I just want to look, see if I can get a seven pay with them. Yeah, no, first of all, if you worked there for five years, the, the chances are that you are uh, an employee and not an independent contractor, uh, which exactly. means that you are owed severance. So if they let you go in this situation, it doesn't sound like what you did was, was bad enough in any way to, to deprive you of severance. You could be owed six, six months, severance, seven, eight months. So yes, it, it definitely sounds like you'd be owed that severance. So what I want you to do is yeah. I want you to, to give me a call off here so we can actually sit down and, and go over this in some detail, but I don't okay. see any reason why you wouldn't get severance. I'll say they appreciate your call and that number again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's the way to do it. Help at employmenthour.com. And as always, check out severancepaycalculator.com as well to find out uh, what that severance should be. We were talking about the duty to accommodate. So if you're an employee and uh, there is a duty to accommodate by your employer, how does that employer know if they're being provided accommodation? but chooses not to do so. But they can if they had to, but they're just choosing not to do so. Well, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily know is your employer actually uh, refusing because they can't or because they don't want to. But here's some, some things to keep in mind. The bigger the company, the more resources the company, the more it's going to be expected of the company. If you, let's say, work for a huge, large bank, as an example, there's a lot of jobs, there's a lot of positions, there's a lot of things an an employer like that can do to accommodate you. So it's going to be very difficult to the bank, for the bank to say, oh, gosh, we just can't provide that accommodation. If you work for a a, a tiny little corner grocery store where it's you and another employee, well, it it may be very difficult for that employer to, to accommodate because there may just not be different jobs that the employer can give you. So, so the bigger the the company, uh, the the more likely it is if they refuse to accommodate that they're just refusing and and they've breached their own duties to accommodate. Now, the other thing to uh, to keep in mind is that you have a right to ask why they can't accommodate. Why 
isn't there something? And you can also make suggestions. Hmm. So if you say, well, uh, my limitations is I can't lift 30 pounds. Well, I know that the shipper job doesn't lift more than 30 pounds, so why can't I do that? Put them on the spot. Let the company answer you as to why they can't accommodate, why that position is inappropriate. Uh, let them explain it. If there's a legitimate explanation, fine. If they don't ex explain legitimately or they refuse to explain, it's time to get suspicious. So bottom line is if your employer refuses to accommodate, it's a good time to get some legal advice. It's a good time to reach out and contact me so we can find out exactly what's going on, talk about your specific situation, and see if this is potentially a human rights violation. I want to wrap the show tonight with a, an email that's a classic question I know you get all the time and one of the other uh, reasons why we started this show over half a decade ago, and that comes from Sharon. She says, you know, I just used a severance calculator, and it showed that I should be entitled to 12 months of severance, according to the dun, 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 Ministry of Labor <laughs> website. Yeah. I only get eight-week severance. I don't uh, understand why there's such a huge difference and who is right. I get this question often, and usually when I get it, I, I get it with a very angry tone. Yeah. Uh, people say, how dare you say I get 12-month severance when I found out from the Ministry of Labor or the Labor Board that I only get eight weeks, uh, and you're obviously just trying to scam people. Well, and, and I get that, and I understand why people would think that, because what a big difference, right, between uh, eight weeks and 12 months. So let's be very, very clear here. The Ministry of Labor, the Labor Board, can only advise you with respect to a small portion of your entitlements, your minimum entitlements. That is only a small portion of what you're actually owed. Your full entitlements, also called your common law entitlements, your common law entitlements, are based on your age, position, and length of employment, and that is what the calculator calculates, what the law actually says that you get. Not your minimum entitlements, your full entitlements. Unfortunately, the Ministry of Labor misleads people by only telling them what their minimum entitlements are. That's a problem. People accept a lot less than they're owed because of that. So the severancepaycalculator.com website is correct. Use it, uh, and it's not wrong in any way. First place you want to go. We are back doing this again on Wednesday evening at, uh, at 7 o'clock. We'll have the weekend shows and, of course, uh, Employment Hour in 30. That happens on Global TV and CTV as well on Saturday and Sunday. The number, again, one 821 5900 You need to follow up, get a hold of Lior and the rest of the team. That is the number you use. Email just uh, works just as well, help at employmenthour.com. And we can't stress enough, first place you want to go before you sign anything, look at the number, find the real number, severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, it's been the Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio.